Hello, I'm Samia Aryan. I'm the founder of the Think Tank for Women in Business and Technology and the FemPeak platform with the mission of raising women's socioeconomic status. I'm super excited to tell you about today's guest, who's a very special woman. Ellen Gilliam is the founder and CEO of Wild AI, a really cool app for female athletes that helps them keep track of their cycle and to work with their own body to maximize their performance. Ellen studied mathematics and financial risks. She was a quant in a hedge fund and a management consultant for Fortune 500 companies in artificial intelligence. She was also a rugby player and she's an ultra marathon runner, triathlete and ice swimmer. That's how cool she is and I can't wait for you guys to hear our conversation. So let's get into it. In honor of your brand, I'm wearing yellow and black. <laughs> Thank you. I was looking at your new website and actually that yellow color is my favorite yellow. It's like really? basically, yeah, I'd say yellow is my favorite color. I do also really like pale pink and pale blue. Um, yeah. But in terms of like, if I wanted to wear something, it's always like yellow is my favorite color. And I, it and suits I really you very like well. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. So let's start by um, the very first thing I wanted to talk to you about. I really like your tagline. Your female physiology is your unfair advantage. I really love that. So um, tell me a little bit about that. Like, what does that mean and uh, how you came up with it? You know, because when we look at the 10 factors that impact women's socioeconomic status, the first one is biology. And this, when we say impact, it doesn't mean that it impacts negatively necessarily. It's about how you know, like even if you can perceive, even if you perceive it as something that may not be uh, necessarily to your benefit, you can turn that around and make it to your benefit. So I really love that approach. So tell me about that. Yeah. So basically, um, I think like just the marketing on women was was wrong like the whole time. So we've heard all life that being a woman is annoying and women are moody and bitchy and people use very easily words like oh yeah but she's a woman so like we can't understand her and just like for me all my life it's been something negative like a, a negative connotation being a woman as a little girl also like oh like run like a girl you shouldn't do these sports because you're a girl basically like very basic things that are a part of really of our culture and uh, and discriminate uh, females in a, in a very important way and a lot of women actually do not feel that way but for me it was always very present and I always felt it was it wasn't cool to be a girl and then it wasn't cool to be a woman and I myself when I started my career in like very male oriented environments and like quant and trading I was also starting to discriminate my own gender and starting to, to have a behavior that was assimilating myself to the caricature of the successful man which was like very aggressive basically things that were not not me deep inside but that was i was behaving that way um because that's the example that i had and i was doing sports and whenever i'm like telling my story and i said like i was a rugby player and i was a quant people like raise eyebrows and they're like oh you were playing rugby i'm like yeah you know like a lot of women are playing rugby and playing soccer by the way soccer is a female sport in the us and women are uh, doing sports and i always loved being outdoors and doing sports but for some reason again like when i'm talking about my company they're like oh yeah uh, female sports is a niche i'm like well look look outside like it is not a niche like women are doing sports and women are participating and it's really it's not it's not niche like women are active and by the way uh women were never these uh, weak little beings like women are 
yeah, superhumans, like we're able to create humans, which is like ultimate tech dream. We can do that while still working, while still racing and while still uh, carrying a child and things. So like, I think just the marketing really on women was entirely wrong the whole time. The issue is that we did not know how to fuel correctly the body, how to train the body. And so we were, as women, we're fighting against these things that were happening in us and treating it as a disadvantage. Uh, so having uh, hormonal changes and having cycles, we thought actually like I am underperforming certain times, so it's shit. The reality is that we are having the cyclical thing, and if we are understanding how to show it correctly, how the, what the body needs, when the body needs it, then we are actually like overperforming better all the time, and overall we are performing and feeling much better. So that's really the research behind. So what how, what is woman? What does the female needs depending on where she is in menstrual cycle, where she is in her life stage? Um, whether she's taking contraceptive or not, whether she had the baby or not, in perimenopause, etc. And so that's what we do, research on the female body and translate that research into an app helping women train, eat and recover based on their menstrual cycle. Very interesting. We have such a similar story in that sense. It's amazing. It doesn't really matter what culture you come from. You can always find um, points of um, similarity. And, and, you know, for example, although I grew up in Iran, I had the same kind of feeling about you know, uh, like for example, since a young age, I wanted to go into politics because I felt like that was the way. That's why I ended up working in in an embassy, and you know, yeah. and from there, because I thought I had to go into positions of power to be able to overcome limitations that were put around me. You know, and yeah. and like you say, exactly. I always felt like from an very early on, I realized that my father wanted a son, and he actually told me that if he had a son, he wouldn't have had any more kids so like basically he was kind of disappointed that i was not a son mm. and then after that uh if my my we had my my mom had my sister he was like if my sister was a son then he wouldn't have any more child uh, any more children so basically he would keep having children until he has unfortunately the third one was a son <laughs> so i had yeah. a brother uh, you know and and it, it just felt like i wasn't enough or i wasn't good enough so so like you when i went into the work environment and uh, you went into uh sports i went into music and i went into heavy metal music and, and death metal you yeah. know i was in a i was in a death metal band you know which is like very male um oriented and and i kind of felt like always i had to uh, behave like a man, you know, be like a man, you know, to be able to compete and downplay kind of my femininity. Um, but that uh, changed. And, and at some point, you know, especially I think it was around when I was in the band, you know, that I felt like I didn't want to be wear wearing black all the time, you know, and I didn't, I didn't want to have loads of tattoos and like feel like, like sit down and, and like drink beer or uh, like I was like really in a health, into a healthy lifestyle and everybody yeah. else was like drink beer and like do drugs. And I was like, I don't want to do these things, <laughs> you know, and I felt like I just didn't fit. And, and then I thought, you know, I'm going to embrace my womanhood, you know, and, and for a very long time, I did feel that the, the menstrual cycle was a big problem for me. You know, it was like, I, uh, I still have, uh, if I don't manage it, I can have like really bad PMDD. It was like a lot of learning and, and trying to do research 
to understand the cycle and to understand. I can see that you're wearing a, an O-ring, you know, like this has had a huge impact on understanding my body. So when you talk about, in, when you were on the panel, you talked about the fact that we don't know enough about the female body and we don't know enough about, you know, female, female biology. Why do you think there's this huge data gap when it comes to women? Because in my experience, it's been that when I talk to men about it is that it's just so complex that they give up. It's not standardizable. You know? so, so, yeah. so like we give up. And I think that's why we need to have women to do that. Right. So, so tell me about your experience in terms of understanding where did you realize there was that data gap? Yeah, I think it's fascinating. Like, you know, like I, I love having like being in dinners with like tech people and they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to solve that I don't know, like sending satellites in a way that is affordable, but then on oh, oh, female physiology is a bit complicated. I'm like, come on, guys. I do understand that you're, you're a guy and you're a man and you don't necessarily um, can put yourself in the shoes of a woman. And interestingly, like they would understand from my experience fundraising process, like cancer research, they would understand the product that is cancer research. They might not invest in it because biotech or whatever, but they may understand it because they can relate to it because they think somehow it could also happen to them, unless it's like very specific female cancer, but think that they're female related, they can't. Although they do have wives, kids, like daughters, mothers, aunts, sisters, whatever, but they really don't relate to it. So there's this very interesting discrepancy between the man and the woman and the man really does not think that the female life is something that they should care about and so i had meetings with investors they were saying like, oh yeah it's like female things they were a bit like they feel a bit awkward when i start talking about like periods and sex drive and like vaginal fluids they're like ooh, <laughs> super weird and uh, and i'm like well you know like if you are uh, not into women that's that's one thing but you still came from a woman so like if you do not uh, you're not interested in that you're basically not interested in your own species and it is like the equivalent of being like in a panel on like the environment and saying like oh yeah i really don't give a shit about the environment because you know like i live like in front of beach and i have a beautiful swimming pool so i don't give a shit and like that is exactly equivalent but still people would feel okay to say that they are not interested in female physiology so that like that's the background and then it is it is complex we are not linear and that makes it fascinating like i mean coming from a scientific background like issues that are complex are really interesting and so in my team we get really motivated by the fact that it is not linear we're changing all time and it's like it's a moving target when you think you solved an issue you actually have another one so whereas like if you look at contraceptives you have like all these plethora of contraceptives so we are addressing all these different contraceptives a coil is very different than a pill that is very different than, than an implant and then the woman changes she wants to get pregnant so like we still need to serve that woman the same person but she wants to get pregnant she doesn't get pregnant she has an abortion a miscarriage then she's we saw that then she's going into perimenopause and then so it's this ever-changing body and we need to address that but it makes it fascinating and so yeah a lot of scientists and a lot of places have put themselves uh, like gave that excuse that it's like just too complex and so it's fine not to take care of it and i'm talking about like all the medical world like all the drugs etc like all the research is often done on men because women are like can get pregnant and the women have menstrual cycles so that's the background um but i think like people are like me and my company and they are now women who are changing things and men as well um and my team we have men who are incredible and uh, so yeah i think it's now the age to change these things the very incredible things like when you are aware that it's such a big opportunity it's huge it's massive like there's so much money to be made 
So that's the interesting thing. I think this is a fascinating time for female entrepreneurs um, and people looking at femtech because I think the opportunity is incredible. In a way, I'm not even deterred by the fact that a lot of in, uh, investors may not be interested because technology has made it possible now to have a very good head start without a lot of money. You know, like for example, with the Fempeak platform that we're building, um, since July until now, I've maybe spent about 30 to 40,000 pounds um, yeah, to get to the point that we got because um, we first built our first prototype of the platform, which mm -hmm. costs about seven, eight thousand, and it just didn't, it wasn't very good and it wasn't performing well. So then I got another team and they're building it from scratch. But we learned from that, right? I felt like I don't really need to go and raise money to do that. You know, I already have a company that is making money and uh, I'm taking that and building this to a point that then I can show proof of concept. So I think in many cases now, technology is making it possible and a little bit cheaper than before to get to a point that you have proof of concept. You know, you just need to be very um, smart about how you do that and try and work with what you have with a smaller team. Sometimes it's about getting the right people on board, maybe giving them an equity. And, like there are many, many, many ways of doing it. And then when you go to, because this is great for female entrepreneurs, because when you then go to investors, then you are asking for a bigger share. Why? Because you've done the hard work, you know, like you've built that initial, initial momentum. So I wanted to ask you about your experience with like how you're going about building it from, from an investment point of view. Did you, how did you find it when you, you, have you started talking to investors? What was the reaction and how did you overcome that? Because I think a lot of women watching this or listening to this are um, people who, like us, want to build businesses around femtech or around the you know, female market, whether yep. it's health or not. And, and it would be good for them to get an idea of maybe they could learn something, some kind of advice that you might have. Yeah, a friend of mine told me early on, men like don't relate to it unless they have a daughter. Interestingly, even if they have a wife, they may not relate to it. And my question often is like, have you ever bought ten packs? A lot of men have never, ever been in that area of the supermarket. It's like the weirdest place for them. It's like completely taboo. And, uh, and I'm like, well, we do buy toilet paper for you. And you know what you're doing with toilet paper, whereas like, the tampax goes in there where you play with. So like, I don't really see you. And there's like this remaining taboo on like period sex, etc. Where it's like, I mean, it's, it's, it is a quarter of the time of a woman between 13 and 52 years old. We're basically bleeding. Like if you go put it back to back, like eight years in a row and it's like such a taboo. So like, first of all, like a lot of men, adult men are uh, still very uncomfortable, even if they have a wife. But if they have a daughter who often went, like is going through puberty or has gone through puberty, I think it's a different generation and they are, uh, they seeing their little girl and they do not understand what is going through them. And then they really realize that they're not making things up. Like they are having these pains and they do not understand their own bodies and they're struggling and it's difficult. Like puberty for girl is very different for boy. Like a boy is like, it's getting uh, like muscles and testosterone and everything's growing and it's feeling great and greater. A girl is like going through these massive changes and she's bleeding and she feels shit and She's like going to sports and she can do it. But the teacher is like, yeah, come on, like, don't be moody and bitchy and run like the other kids. So she's like, she's trying, she's, she has this internal uh, struggle with herself because she's told that she's acting in a way that she shouldn't, but she really feels, so she's learning to basically ignore her own body. 
so if you are raising men who have daughters often they are relating quite well to that and then and then like yeah some investors are like they, they just if they don't relate to it and they don't see the opportunity the money opportunity of being in femtech it's they're, they're just stupid and if they don't want to invest obviously like they have their own uh, alleys and criterias yeah i think like being very resilient knowing that we're worth it like knowing that we're doing something that is so worth it and like when when you have a meeting with an investor who's saying like yeah like this is niche market then just talk to other women like us like because it is a huge market and then when i'm seeing like on instagram or on linkedin like the messages of women that are using our app and they love it and they're changing their life and it's changing their behavior and they understand more and more their body and it empowers them and they feel so good about it it's like so rewarding so yeah, just like go for it. It's it's it's, it's huge. These markets, so it's it's very fun. Yes, definitely. Um, so tell me a little bit about um your own background in sports. From what age did you start playing sports? And and I know that you also you also have a strong background in mathematics. I'm going to come back to that separately. But let's talk about sports first. So you got into sports from an early age. Then you realized there was something different about your your body as a female. So tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I always done sports. So I think like from the youngest age, I was swimming. I mean, like as as far as I can remember, swimming or skiing with my my dad and my sisters and horse riding, like things that kids would do. But always being very active. I was very lucky. We have three daughters, but I was very lucky. My 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 dad actually adored having daughters. He adores having men now, so he can drink whiskey with them. But he adored having daughters and. And he treated us not as men, but he treated us as as like his kids. And he did what he wanted. He's really young, so uh, I've still I, like two weeks ago I was skiing with him. Yeah, well, I, so I, I did sports all my life with him. I think like I I did want to prove things to him as well. Um, my relationship with my father is very much based on sports and business. My relationship with my mother is very different, really more like introspective. I've always uh, so I've done like competitive swimming and then. I got into triathlon. Oh, no, before that, I was a semi-competitive, uh, semi-professional rugby player. Then I got into triathlon and like running ultra marathons. I do basically whatever I can touch. Now I'm really into surfing and and so yeah, I love moving my body. So I never really associated the fact that sports is not for girls with me. And I thought like, well, I do like it, so maybe it means that I'm not a girl. So I'm a tomboy. The tomboy word in French is uh, a failed boy, is a garçon manqué. It's pretty hardcore when you think about it. So it's like you try to be a boy, but you really failed on it. And it's just because I liked climbing trees and, and do, uh, doing outdoor stuff. And so it's such a wrong messaging to send to a little girl. Uh, and then so I was doing a lot of sports. And then parallel to that, uh, I, was, I studied mathematics and financial risk. I started my career as a quant in a hedge fund and then went into management consulting. My big client was Fannie Mae in DC on how to optimize internal risk models using AI. So very much on the data science side. And I was seeing all this data that we were using in financial modeling, take smart investment decisions. And then in sports and my personal health, like all this data that we gathered on ourselves, on our bodies, like from watches and aura rings and blood tests and smear tests, etc. And it was all scattered around and we couldn't understand our bodies. And um, and yeah, with like basically doing the link, I created Wild AI to understand all these metrics in our body and understand that being a woman is not an anomaly. And if we're having all these things, it's not, it's not an anomaly. And I think like the analogy I like is like if you are climbing a mountain, uh, you have this objective in your head, which is the summit. And the path might not be very easy, but that's fine. Like, it's part of the game. And being a woman is like, yeah, every day is not like the best. And every day is like, sometimes a bit harder, sometimes amazing. But if you know that it is not an anomaly and it's totally normal and you have things actually that you can do that to feel amazing every single day, 
this is part of our life basically our bodies are made as such that we are these super machines that you give us a drop and we make babies out of it and a whole body is basically creating a whole human like you talk to a pregnant woman and she's like creating a limb and like a palm and whatever so it's like it's quite fascinating we've been treating it as an anomaly so you, st- you still have like you know in the general lingo you have like health and female health sports female sports adidas female adidas and so we need to to flip that so that's like the origin of why we created wild ai but then the very beginning wild was a was a company for men and women and then we cut out the men and it was really hard because we had all these men who loved it but then we realized that we had to really focus because there was so much research to be done on female and that if again we were still serving the men we were again not doing our job properly and that's why a lot of companies are not serving women specifically they are first serving the general population which is the men and then a subset of it is the women. So women are using O-ring who tells me my body temperature and my resting heart is going higher. So I'm going to get sick. True for men, for women, I'm just ovulating. So we are reversing that. We're first of all serving women. And second, men can use it as well if they want to. You can lie and sign up in the app and say you're a menopausal woman if you're a man. That's very interesting. Um, do you think that the fact that we have this... See, for me, uh, we talked about this uh, before, and you, you yeah. promised you were going to answer that question. Is the period a, a, a feature or a bug? Because to me, I feel that it's a bug because I know that we, it's because we make babies, right? But we don't make babies every month or every year, right? So I really think it's, a, it's an evolutionary bug. You know, I love this question, but I think it's, it's, it's really interesting. I was having this conversation with a guy the other day, and he was like, it's really unpractical to have peers all the time because we need to be careful all the time, basically, that you can be, become pregnant. So there's a flip way to look at that. It's like, yeah, it can be a bug, but it can also be like an incredible thing because as women, we have this menstrual cycle, which means that monthly, and this is non-scientific, so my team would not allow me to say these things, but um, on a monthly basis, we have this time or we're going more inwards if we're respecting it. So we should be going more inwards and uh, do less aggressive workouts. This is like before periods, so like the premenstrual symptoms. And this is actually, if you think about it, it's not unreasonable to like every month have some time where you're like a little bit less like pushing and then you have the rebirth which is the bleeding so the two first days are still like part of that that like internal introversion part and then the third of the third day of the periods a lot of women actually have really high sex drive and all their metrics are on the top and like from that that point up to ovulation they really feel really strong and they really are like yeah their bodies are extremely functional like they are the, at their best and then after ovulation again like you have this time where you are going back a little bit inwards and if if you think of like seasons like winter like you know the nights are longer and like again it's not unreasonable to think that you should be like sleeping more and spending more time inside and and then in summer you can do a lot of things outside so men could also fo- follow that and i think like now with uh lockdown and covid like people are rethinking how they're living and it's, it's really not unreasonable to think like that. And then if you think that it's a bad thing, like I think like the analogy would be like a man is a tractor, like every day he's performing, 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 and he's, he's dying a bit earlier than us. And as a woman, we're like Ferraris, like we overperform and then we go back and then we like rest a bit and then we overperform. But because we have these cycles, if we do respect it, it's really incredible and, and it, it is, it's totally fine. And then, and then we live longer because we have like a natural dialysis every single month, having bleedings. So I think like that's, that's the whole 
thing that we need to demystify. It is magical. And when you are more in tune with your body as a woman, so I've been in the same journey as you, like trying to understand that womanhood is incredible and it's powerful and it's great and bleeding is, is also powerful. So like accepting that as part of being a woman. And, and now I, I actually learned it's, it is not not knowing and then you can embrace it and you can you can you can feel the, the the magic of it and and a lot of like more ancients or like a lot of people would say like it's very woo but you're saying like embracing this womanhood and and yeah we have things that the norm like the men do not have and it's fine that's very interesting definitely i was actually speaking to my best friend last night and i gave her this exact analogy of the seasons and i was thinking uh, you know there's a gentleman who wrote the book uh, men are from mars women are from venus yeah. right he says that women are like the weather it gets better by itself now i think that it's not necessarily like the weather i think a woman is like more like a city so like you have, uh, you know, each city has a characteristic to begin with, right? But then it has a weather, it has its own seasons, right? So for example, I'm New York because, you know, I have a lot of energy and I'm like really fast paced, right? But then I still have seasons within New York. You know? so, mm, so, so you have like, for me, like the first day of spring, it's like the first day of bleeding, right? Because the first day of spring is still like you have the remnants of the winter, mm. you know? One of those people was like, I'm really in tune with my body. I really think about, you know, I, because I meditate and I think a lot about how or feel, you know, very, very much uh, what's happening, right? I notice every little change. And, and one of the things that's very important to me is my cognition because I'm always reading, learning, thinking, being creative. Mm. And I really noticed that a few days before, until the first couple of days, my focus is just really a lot lower and it's, it's much harder for me to focus. So, so now I'm taking all the supplementation to make sure that, you know, that I can function. I know that I won't be at my peak, but I know at the same time that I can manage it because we live in a world where the world is not going to stop for you. You know, like if I have a, if I have to give a talk, if I have to, you know, be in a meeting, give a presentation, you know, be on a shoot, it doesn't, it's not going to stop because I have the first day of my period, you know? So, so that from that perspective, sometimes it felt to me that maybe it is a bug when you think about the, for the world that we live in, it feels like it hasn't evolved um, for the speed of, you know, life yeah. that we have. Sometimes I wish I, that I could at least lengthen the cycle, you know, because, but then I suppose if you lengthen the cycle, you still have a longer period of the downside of it as well. So yeah, but I, I know, it's a difficult, it's, it's a difficult one, but it is fascinating. You know, it's a complex thing. And, and I just, I'm getting more and more fascinated by its complexity. But I think like on that point, like we, we just, we would like naturally schizophrenic or have like bipolarities in our own personalities. Like, when we are when we are have like the premenstrual symptoms we are like probably like more creative more inwards more like emotional but like since when being like having emotions is a bad thing like i don't know like there's this like i don't know hedge fund like character that says like you need to be like this shark every single day and that is the only way of behaving especially if you're a founder or like a like you know a c-level professional but like that's, that's like where did that come from? Like where did we initiate that thinking? So actually, like the interesting thing is like as a woman, like when you can be in tune with everybody and understand, you can actually like you know if you're having a presentation and it's more like on the inward and emotional side, like well you probably connect better with the audience that is like having troubles. And by the way, like a lot of men have depression, so it's not like they are overperforming all the time, like not at all. So like they they kind of like hide behind the fact that they're not bleeding, but actually like they're not better than us or anything like that. Again, like. 
demystifying like what is woman, demystifying the fact that it is quite incredible and like really understanding what it means and embracing it. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, speaking of creativity, some of my most creative ideas actually come to me around that time when I go inwards. Tell you a very funny story. Um, I had a date a few days ago. The person was like, how was your week? And I said, uh, yeah, it's very interesting. I had all these different things. And I, and I said that um, I'm reading this book by Douglas Murray. Uh, who has written a book about race and gender and all of these things. And I said that he makes some interesting points and I would really like to in interview him. And then I, I mentioned, which is a question that I wanted to ask you about in a second, about women and math. I said that um, he mentions another person that I'm really interested in interviewing, Eric Weinstein, who's a mathematician, and he, but he says that women are not as good in math. And then this person that I had a date with said that, Yes, that's right. And I said, you can't say that because we don't have enough data about women having done math for, you know, because for a very long time, women were not even allowed to go to school. When you look at the historical data of women in science, you know, like for example, Henrietta Leavitt, right? She wasn't even allowed to touch the telescopes and, and she still came up with the calculation that made us realize that the, the universe is expanding. And then when she died, she was going to potentially be given a Nobel Prize, but she died um, of, of cancer. So uh, Hubble took that credit. And you know now we know of tele uh, Hubble telescope. So as a woman, she was not even allowed to operate the telescope, to touch, to go into that room. So you cannot say that women are not as good in math or physics or yeah. things like that when, when they've not even had access for such a long time. So I kind of got uh, a, a little bit upset. And then I said, like, I was like, basically, let me give you an example of what happens when you don't have a female perspective in the room. Uh, and I gave the example of my cabinets. They are too tall, too high. The way that yeah. it's built, I can't reach it, right? And I and I gave the example like on on uh, New Year's Eve, which is also my birthday. I was trying to pick something up from the top cabinet, and a jar fell onto my stove, and it broke it. Yeah. And then I'm trying to get somebody to come in and repair it, and the company that is supposed to repair it keeps postponing it. So I haven't had a stove for 27 days or so, right? So I said, look, this is an example of because of that design as a woman. Now I haven't had a stove for like 20 something days. Now imagine historically how these kinds of things would have impacted women, you know, their, their life quality, their nutrition, their, you know, so many things. And he was like, so what do you expect us to do? Like make everything shorter? Uh, and he was, and he's a very tall person. And I was like, you want me to, uh, to make everything uh, shorter? So, so then my back is going to hurt if I need to. And I was like, at that moment, you know what I said? I think you should leave. <laughs> you know, I was like, this conversation is over. So, uh, so poor guy. So basically he left and, and, uh, and I was like, okay, I'm not seeing you again. And, and then when he left, I was sitting there thinking about, the, the cabinet and I came up with an idea to solve that problem and I was like you know what and then I contacted Lola and I was like Lola you, we need to look into patenting my idea so now yeah. I've got an idea for something that I can build and design to solve this problem for women perfect <laughs> this is, but that's that's what like, sounded great <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but this is the example of like, you know, you are having these kinds of conversations all the time when you get into a place of trying to explain your, you know, your, like yeah. I'm trying to explain like what happens when you don't have female perspective. So on that note, I want to ask you are uh, two things about women and mathematics. 
because I know you're you're very good at math and you know you you that's your background. So question one, are women not as good as math, at math? And secondly, could it be possible that men and women learn math differently and that maybe the school system, the educational system is teaching math in a way that is more conducive to the way that men learn it? So yeah, like women are less intelligent than men. <laughs> no, but the thing is, like, the reality is that people actually believe it. They won't say it, but the, the truth is, like, they really believe it. Um, I was better than anyone else in my class. It's obviously, like, a data set of one. Math for me is, like, it's like a painting. I find it really beautiful and very entertaining. And so my data set of one is probably not a generalization, but I do know that when I went studying pure maths and I was saying it, like, I had the same eyebrows than when I was saying I was playing rugby. So they were like, ooh. I'm like, why you? Like, it's like, it's maths. It's like, it's not like, you know, it's, and, and there is like this massive stigma. And so I think it's more like encouraging, like, and even if you look at the, the toys, like toys for little girls, like often it's like pink ponies and for boys, it's like tumbling stone machine. I'm just like, oh, like a telescope, you know, and, and they are, they are targeted towards girls or boys. And then, then I had like this, actually this conversation with like some of mine, he's like a rugby player and he had daughters. And he was saying, like, I, I really want my daughters to play rugby, but, you know, I brought my daughter uh, to a rugby match. And she was like, uh-uh, I want to, like, wear pink and I want to be a princess. I was like, you went to, you brought her to watch a rugby of women? I said, no, guys. And I'm like, she's so, like, big guys with massive beards. And you want her to assimilate herself, associate herself to these guys? Obviously, she's not. And then, and then, like, a lot of my friends are saying, like, you know, we tried everything, but she loves pink. Like, yeah, kids are like, they, they, they're like, our brains are not really, really smart. We, we completely adapt to what we're seeing. So when you're seeing on a movie, like, a little girl who's wearing pink and blah, 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 she associates herself with that person who has the long hair and is a girl, not to the boy. And that's a massive issue. Like, from the very, very early age, we are completely ingrained. We're, like, we're putting pink on the baby. Like, the first thing she's wearing when she's out of the belly is a pink thing and the boy is blue. Like, it's completely stupid. So from early on, we like give toys to, to boys that are like a bit more technical and it's fun and it's like playful and you're discovering and scientific, etc. And to girls like magic ponies and we tell them and like the, 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 the stories as well. When you read kid, like stories to kids, like the girl is like so useless and she's waiting for this like charming prince to come and save her and like love her forever. No kidding that the, like these girls are fucked up. Um, they're waiting and waiting and no one's coming. Whereas the boys are like this, they need to attack and they need to come and they're going to be rejected and into like slay or the dragon. That's what they told. So of course they are like, they're going for it. It's like we are, we're like deeply ingrained in the way we are educated. Um, and, and it goes the same for maths. Like it's just like, oh, like very early on, we're like, we taught like maths is it's boys thing. So it's just like, yeah, it, we need to change the entire system. And no, <laughs> women are really, really smart. And if you look at things that are like, traditionally men like medicine now there's more doctors that are women so it's, it's absolutely not and then the whole system then needs to change we need to like i'm very uh, strongly for compulsory equal paternity leave if the whole system says that between 25 and 35 year old more or less men and women are going to have a baby because that's what we want we do not want people to like have well we, we just need babies basically everyone's going to leave because having a child is a question of a man and a woman not a, a, a woman's thing because right now it's only a woman's thing then then the entire society changes 
is a normal thing. It's not, it's not again, like it's not, a, it's not a bug anymore. It's a feature. Uh, Justine Southall, who was a managing director of Mary Claire magazine, was on the first panel. She was like, children are not a women's issue. They're a family issue. Yeah. You know? It's like in the way that we are. And, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with pink. I like baby pink you yeah. know, and I like baby blue. <laughs> like these are my pastel colors I, I quite like. And it doesn't make you any less intelligent to, to wear pink. Sometimes I used to, like I said, you know, I used to think like always black, you know, and leather. And, you know, nowadays I just think about what's my mood today. You know, it's yeah. not up and I don't care how people are going to judge. Um, so last question, it's all good and well for women to start and um, building these businesses or for women to educate that yes we are having more women going into these technical fields but there is a difference between having more women in the field and having more women in the top tier and what i'm trying to advocate is having more women in the top tier as well you know because when you look at um, the world is run by 10 companies you know there's five in the us five in china none of them are founded or run by women and when i whenever i talk about having women in the top tier people say so are you talking about just like uh, removing the ceo of amazon and putting it i said no no i'm trying to encourage women building that like instead of having you know that's all good and well let keep the, keep them where they are but i also want to see another five companies that are yeah. similar that are run by by women and we, so that we have a female perspective in there where the, the decisions are made for the future of humanity. So how far would you say we are? Because when we look at the investment scene, 2019, I believe only 4% of uh, the total investment funds have gone to women, right? 4% of the actual funds and 8% and in terms of a number of you know, male, female. So that's a very long way to go. And, and what's your perspective on how things are going. I'm reading a fascinating book called Endurance and it's basically um, around like a scientific physiology of endurance and how you can explain records. So for instance, like the two hours uh, marathon record, like breaking it. So there is like a physiological, scientific aspect to it, uh, VO2 max and the physiology of the human, etc. that says it is not possible to go faster than X. But then they're saying, what about the mental aspect of it? Because when you are racing, you are in a very different, uh, different environments. And then there's this entire uh, other thing, which is like the four uh, minutes mile was, it was, it was food, it was nearly impossible and it was working. And then after, like, after a few months, like everyone was breaking it. So like when you see it, you, it's actually, the brain just says it is absolutely possible. And the thing is that as humans, we're not that smart again, like the brain is not that intelligent. And so when we see things, we just think it's possible. So when we do not see a woman who's a CEO of a very large company, we do not, we directly associate the fact that she's probably not capable of doing that and that no, no woman is capable of doing it. So that is like the mental uh, shift that we need to transition. The very first one, like it is, it is, we, we do not have examples. So obviously like men and women do not believe in it and women themselves, when they are early stage, they, like I'm trying to find a role models for me to inspire me and like inspire my style, uh, like my family, like being a, a C-level style, like and it's, I'm struggling, like there, there are not a lot of women who are similar to me on the top level. So I need to create this persona. So that's, that's the first thing. And then at the very beginning, we need to, we need to push it much harder. And I'm, I'm really for quotas. Like, you know, if you are saying to a VC, 
you need to like have invest in carbon neutral companies. I think you really can impose that, but I also think you can really impose the fact that you need to invest in women. And then we would say, oh, but you're gonna like down downside the 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 level of the companies we're investing in. That's not true. So like my question is like, you know, quotas in C level position, like on board levels. So I'm like, okay, have you ever seen a president of a country who's not great? Maybe we've seen a few who are like not great. Have you ever seen a board member who's shit? Yeah, probably. So if you are imposing the quota that is like half men, half women, you're not actually lowering the level of the men. You're actually hiring the bar because you can have incredible women. And for a man, it's just harder to get there because there are less seats. But you're not lowering it. So as a, as a strong man, you're still going to get your seats. You just need to be better. And, um, and so it's actually, I think it's a really good thing to have quotas and quotas in investing as well. Like you need to impose yourself investing and you're just going to look harder. And when I have like all these people saying like, I'm really looking hard, but I can't invest in a female company. I'm like, well, you can invest in me and you can invest in a lot of women. Like this is this is completely wrong. So like all these excuses are, are like a are crap. And, uh, and I think like the, the whole thing, so investing early, uh, giving giving uh, giving space for, for women to speak on panels, like what you're doing, interviewing more women, uh, more visibly like press. They sh they should write articles, um, publishing pub like publishing a book, like it, it is a, a marketing uh, effort. So like you know promoting more women, female sports. Like if people would say oh it's less interesting. No, no, not true. Like you have heavyweight and lightweight of boxing. It's two different sports entirely, similar to soccer. Female soccer, male soccer is very different. That's it. The people just need to shift. And the, the nice thing behind it is that it's it's money. We're not talking about doing a charity. It's just uh, people who go into that. They're gonna be rich. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much, Helen. That's been great. It's been amazing. Uh, very inspiring. And I really hope that it inspires more women because, like you say, you know, we don't have those kinds of role models, and we have to create them and we have to be them. Great talking to you. Thanks, Zoe. As always. Thank you, Helen. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Ellen Gilliam and found it as inspiring as I did. If you like what we're doing here, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or any other one of your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to give it a five-star review. You can also find the full video of these conversations on my YouTube channel. Oh, and connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, or Clubhouse. Finally, if you're not a member of Fempeak yet, head over to fempeak.ai, register and join a community that actively supports women.